Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to see you this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look really good today. I tell you what, in the dog days of summer, you look pretty good to me. Would you just lift your hands and your heart? Can we just worship the Lord just for a moment? Father, we come to you today because you're the almighty God. There is none before you, none after you. You are God and God alone. And we lift up the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, open up our ears and our hearts to receive, and we will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. going to begin a new series this morning called Navigating the Unknown. How many of you know that tomorrow when you wake up you may encounter some things you didn't think you were going to encounter? It is the unknown. You may have your day day planned out and it may not go the way you think. How many of you ever had one of those days? In 1924, The New York Times introduced us to a term, a line, that says, we live in an age of uncertainty. How many of you ever heard that line? We live in an age of uncertainty. The Bible calls it a little different. It says, we live in perilous times. Well, in 1924, they thought they were living in a day of uncertainty, an age of uncertainty. That term appeared in 1924, and since 1924, in the same newspaper, that same line has appeared 6,000 times. Let me tell you why. Because when the Great Depression came, we lived in an age of uncertainty. When the stock market fell, we lived in an age of uncertainty. When World War II came along, we lived in an age of uncertainty. When the Iron Curtain fell and communism began to rise, we lived in an age of uncertainty. When the Korean War came, we lived in an age of uncertainty. When President Kennedy was assassinated, guess what? We live in an age of uncertainty. Vietnam War, race riots, drugs. You know, we're still living in an age of uncertainty. But one thing is certain, God is still on the throne. And even though we go through times like that, even though we have ages and times and years and days of uncertainty, God is still there with us. And sometimes things don't turn out the way you think, and you just don't know how to navigate those. I heard the story about Sam. Sam was a little older, and he had a heart attack and was in the hospital. The doctors were passioning back up after surgery, and while he was there, the family learned that Sam, the dad, had inherited $10 million. I don't even know that would be a good, good news for you and for me. But they said, you know, we don't want to go in and tell Dad he inherited $10 million when his ticker's bad. He may just die. So they began to think, what are we going to do? How are we going to break the news to him? You know, we don't want to, you know, have him to have more stress. Um, So they decided they'd call the preacher. Have him come tell Sam that he had inherited $10 million. A friend of mine said preachers can say a whole lot without saying anything. So the pastor went in and he said, Sam, how you doing? He said, well, I'm doing pretty good. They said, I'm getting patched up. And he said, Sam, he said, let me just ask you kind of a rhetorical question here. If you inherited $10 million, what would you do? And Sam said, well, I think I'd give half of it 
to the church. And the preacher died. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. Your life's the same way. My life is the same way. Sometimes we have those days and it doesn't turn out the way that we want. And someone said the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty you can comfortably deal with. And life is filled with uncertainty. You think you got everything together, something hits, there's a change, there's an obstacle, a wrinkle in your life. And I want to talk to you this morning about God's people who are in Egypt. They're in servitude, they're in bondage, they're slaves. And uh, so if you would allow me this morning, I want to uh, address that. Israel's in a bad place, and really Moses is in a bad place. You know, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised as an Egyptian, but he found out that he was a Hebrew. His mother actually raised him, and Jochebed, I think, put some good things in him. And you know what? He wanted to identify with the people of God, then enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And here he is in a very tough place, and the children of God are in a very tough place and a bad place. And I can, you know, truthfully say, you've probably been in one. Anybody here been in a bad place? I mean, it didn't go right, bad relationship, been in a bad business deal, marriage went uh, south on you, you're gripped by pain, experienced a horrible loss, or lied on, cheated on, disappointed, maybe depressed, and, and sometimes we get there. It's just the way life is. Life is not fair. It kind of beats you up. So, you know, when we're in a bad place, here's the good news. God can lead us to a new place. So if you're in a bad place, God can lead you to a new place. Uh, Rosa Luxemburg said, those who do not move on do not notice their own chains. So what's keeping you from moving on? And let me tell you what's keeping the children of Israel from moving on. The Egyptians, this bondage, this slave. Exodus chapter 3, if you'd like to turn there with me, we're only going to look at a couple of passages this morning. Chapter 3, chapter 2. But chapter 3, verse 7, we, we hear the story. And the Lord is beginning to speak. And he's talking to Moses out of the burning bush. So here Moses is having this burning bush experience. God is speaking to him from the bush. And he says this. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and they have, and, and, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't know if you noticed there, but in those verses, and I want you to really catch this, God began to reveal something to us about how we relate to him and he relates to us. So please look at the verse. In verse number 7, he says, I have surely seen. Say that with me. I have surely seen. How many of you know God sees where you're at right now? He knows where you're at right now. I may not see it. Nobody around you may see it. Maybe it's hidden from them. Your marriage is hidden from them. Could be your finances are hid from them. Your heart's hid from them. But how many of you know it's not hid from God? God said, I see. He says, also, I hear. God hears. The Bible says God knows. And God has come to do something about their situation. He's getting ready to lead them from where they are and bring them to a new place. How many of you know sometimes you just need a new place? I'm not talking about physically. I'm just talking about a new place in your life. And sometimes I've been there. A new place, even though it's a better place than the old place, is still an unknown place. Let me say that again. 
a new place, even though it's better than the old place, is still an unknown place. And we move to a place, and sometimes if it's the unknown place, it's difficult to navigate that. So we all struggle at moving from here to there. So I'm going to give you four things I think that will help us this morning. So if you have a pencil and paper, you might want to bring it out. The first thing I want to talk to you that would help us, I think, is to realize that we don't have to stay in our current condition. We do not have to stay in our current condition. God has something better for you. How many of you know God's on your side? He's not against you. He's for you. Sometimes we think God is the cosmic killjoy. He's not out for me. He's the, the eternal disappointer. But I want to tell you, God is for you. He's not against you. When I was uh, studying last night late and early this morning, I, I began to think about, you know, coming to be with you. And I really feel that God spoke to my heart to say that somebody here really needs to hear what's going to be said today. I think it's going to change your life. Now, you always want that, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit really impressed upon me that somebody's going to get a breakthrough today. Because even though God is taking us to a new place, from the old place, it's still an unknown place. And we have to realize we do not have to stay in our current condition. After 400 years of slavery and bondage, God is getting ready to move them out. Sometimes we look at our own marriages and say, well, after five years of a bad marriage, I need to go to a new place in my marriage. You know, sometimes families have difficulties, you know, kids and parents and parents and kids, and, and, and there needs to be a new place that they move to. There needs to be a resolution there. There needs to be healing there. Maybe after 20 years of disappointment or you have been abused and you've gone through 30 years and you're thinking about that and you're dealing with that, you need to move to a new place. You need some healing. You need some focus. Bad decisions. Mistakes you've made. Has anybody here ever made a mistake? And you've wondered about that mistake and you've mourned over that mistake and, and you've walked in that mistake. How many of you know if it happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago, or 5 minutes ago, you need to move on from that mistake. God is the great healer of mistakes. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Paul didn't say y'all have fallen short. He said we've all fallen short. Can I hear an amen? And you've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. We've got to move on from that. And God wants to take us to that new place. And sometimes that new place is unknown to us, but God is for you to get you there. In 2 Kings chapter 7, there's the story of the siege of Samaria. The, the, the Syrians have come to take the land and take Israel, and they put a siege around Samaria, and the people are dying inside. They're starving them out, what's happening. And they're eating things that you would probably never eat, like the uh, dung and the uh, feces of birds, or heads of mules and donkeys. Try that for lunch today. Go into Applebee's and say, I think I'll have a donkey's head. How many of you know the waiter may bat their eyes at you? Jack would say, we're not serving that today. That's where they're at. Then they begin to eat their own children. And there are four lepers, the most compromised people in this story. The Bible says they're sitting outside the gate. They, if they go in, they'll die of starvation. They go out to the Syrians. The Syrians may kill them. But they come to some kind of conclusion in their life. They say this, if we sit here, we're going to die. 
If we stay in this condition, we're going to die. If we stay in this place, it's not going to be good. Listen, I am convinced there's a lot of people staying in some places they shouldn't stay in. They need to move on. And these people, these four lepers, who almost have a death sentence on them, they decide we're going to go and take our chances. We're going to move from this place to another place. We're going to go to the series, and maybe they'll have mercy on us. And when they get to that camp, you know what they found? They found every tent empty. The Syrians had heard something that made them run for their life. This is what they heard. The Bible says God sent a noise. Everybody say noise. This was the noise. The noise was the sound of chariots and horses and armies marching. And this is what the Syrians said. The Israelites have hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to come and get them out of this condition and this siege and they're on us and let's run for our lives and they left all the food and the gold and the silver and the garments everything left in the tents and when those four lepers arrived in the tents I'm telling you they're, they're trying on new clothes they're eating till they can't eat anymore the Bible says they get the valuables they go hide them and bury them in the ground and then one guy comes to this conclusion you know what what we're doing is not good they're dying inside the city and everything they need is right out here how many of you know God's got what you need you may not know it but until you move from this place to that place you may never know what God has for you it may be there and you just don't go get it and so when they went out there, they found all the provision there. And so the people came out, and they, they were literally saved because somebody moved from a bad place to another place, and God already had provision provided in that place. Let me tell you, this is, this is, this is really replete through the Bible. Listen, if you're dying from an issue of blood, you need to leave from that place and go touch the hem of his garment in, in this place. If you're blind, you need to leave from this place and go to that place. And if you're Zacchaeus and hated by everybody, you need to go from this place to the top of a tree to that place to go see Jesus. There's a transition there where we have to move places. And sometimes we don't realize that we can leave our current condition to go to another place. Here's the second thing. We have a tendency to cling to the familiar. Anybody cling to the familiar? Um, it's not long until these people that he's going to leave out of Egypt want to go back. And let me tell you what they want to go back to. They want to go back to the familiar. Even though it's terrible, they're in bondage to slavery, they still want to go back to the familiar. This is what they're saying. We remember the, the meat back in Egypt. We remember the garlics and the leeks and the onions and the melons. You know what they don't remember? They don't deliver the, they don't remember the, the deliverance. They don't remember the slavery. They don't remember the bondage. But, but this is what we do. Now, now, please, don't throw anything at me. Boy, I'm looking and I'm wishing for the good old days. How many of you know the good old days weren't as good as what you think? Can I tell you something about the good old days? There was no air conditioning. I deserve a better amen than that. There was no cable TV, no color TV, no microwaves, no computers, no internet, no YouTube, no cell phones. Well, some of that's good old days. 
My, my grandfather died at 90-something years old. I remember my cousin one time, uh, my grandfather said, you know, hon, we didn't have electricity back then. She said, well, uh, granddad, how did you watch television? <laughs> she said, hon, he said, hon, we didn't have television. Uh, listen, I can remember in my lifetime so many things that were just uh, not the way they are today. Do you realize that women who were married could hardly ever get alone in those days without the signature of their husband? People of, of color earn more than, uh, less than 50% of what other people earned. There, there was a lot of racial biases. There was a lot of uh, things going on in those days that really weren't good. Can I hear an amen? Higher education was limited to those who had money. Very few people who, who were middle class or lower ever got a higher education in the good old days. In the good old days, there, there were just things that weren't so good. Carrie and I, we have a, we have a different taste in music. I have XM satellite uh, radio in my car. And if you went to my car and, and the stations that are programmed in there, they start the 1940s music. Gene Krupa, Tommy Dor uh, Dorsett, uh, you know... What, what is Okay, somebody else likes that. So, big band music. And then if you go to the next button, it says the 1950s. Little Elvis, little doo-wopping going on. Oh, come on now. Somebody going to help me preach here in a minute. Little doo-wopping going on. The, the 1960s, some righteous brothers, and Simon and Garfunkel. Then you go to the 1970s. Then if you're going over, it's Willie's Roadhouse. <laughs> Willie's Roadhouse. Some old country and western. Not, not the new stuff. That was pop music back in my day. Willie's Roadhouse. And Carrie gets to the car and she says, turn that off. Good old days. Well, we can, we can camp there. But the familiar can hold you back from your future. If you're always looking for the familiar, you are going to be a little hesitant to move to the future because you're very comfortable with the familiar. God's about to deliver Israel from the Egyptian bondage. They're going to go from a place that they are to a place that they don't know of. They've never been. It's not familiar. They're navigating to the unknown, and everything ahead of them is not familiar to them. But they can't stay where they are, or I guess they could, but it's not a good place. God is navigating them to another place. I believe today there's somebody here that needs to navigate to another place. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what that place is. That's where you have to trust God. It's unknown to you. Sometimes it's unknown to me. And they're on a journey they didn't even know about this land. They've heard about it. Their ancestors 400 years ago lived there, but they've never lived there. But I'll guarantee you it's better than Egypt. And that's where God is taking them. They're navigating to the unknown. Here's the third thing. I must become aware of the areas of bondage in my own life. I know that we're saved. I know that Jesus can make us free. Who the Son of Man makes free. How many of you know it's free indeed? But there is a part of your flesh that sometimes you deal with and I deal with. 
Matter of fact, Paul dealt with it in Romans 7. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, I do. He said, who's going to deliver me from this? He says, this flesh of mine gets out of control every once in a while. Does your flesh ever get out of control? Mine does. Then he gives us the solution to this. He says, we have to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So if I'm going to overcome that, I've got to walk in the Spirit because my flesh wants to gravitate to areas of bondage in my life. And people do have areas of bondage. You know, drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, uh, pornography. A lot of areas of bondage that we can see woven into our life. And this is what I know. A, a, a bondage or stronghold never starts out that way. It never starts out that way. Let me tell you, stronghold always starts out as a toehold. <laughs> it's that little thread that connects you to something you shouldn't be connected to. And then you weave it a little tighter, and there's another layer, and there's, there's one that attaches to it. And it's like a braiding effect. And if you've ever seen a big rope, it's not just one big solid piece. It's woven together, and the more you weave it together, it's a stronger bond of something you shouldn't be attached to or I shouldn't be attached to. Can I hear an amen? amen. And let me tell you, it takes the power of God and the move of the Holy Spirit in our life to break some of those bonds. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, you know, I'm dealing with some things that's holding me back, some things that is keeping me from going to this place and navigating to the better place, well, you need to break those ties, and I need to break those ties. And we can through God. And the Bible tells us we can. Sometimes we get disappointed 30 years ago, and we're still dealing with it 30 years later. And it's become a place of contact to bind us to a bad situation or someone hurt us or abused us, a bad marriage, a failure, a mistake, a personal loss, a death of a loved one, a bad business deal, and we say, man, I'm still dealing with that. Let me tell you something. Leave it in Egypt and go to where God's leading you. Just leave it there. Don't let that hold you back. Don't let that bind you there. We have to become aware of the areas of bondages in our own life. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. He said, let us lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily what? besets us. Not everything is sin, but it can become a weight. And some weights can become sin. And that's why the Bible says that Moses forsook Egypt and didn't enjoy the sins for a season. He didn't want that bondage. And you don't need that bondage, and neither do I. So today, we have to understand that there can be these ties that we need to break and move and navigate to a new place, just like Israel is going to do here. Here's the fourth thing. I have to understand that God's for me. I have to understand that God's for me. Let me tell you, we live in a world today that a lot of people think that God is not for them. Matter of fact, they think God is their enemy. I mean, you know, there are people probably that you know that believe that God is their enemy and how far they are wrong from the truth. God is for you. You see, in Exodus chapter 2, I want to show you something here very, very clear, and this is amazing. Go to chapter 2. We read chapter 3, a couple of verses. I'm going to read about three verses here in chapter 2. And here's the amazing thing. Both of these passages say the very same thing in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now, you've heard me say this before. God does not repeat himself because he forgot what he said. Okay, somebody get with me here. God does not repeat himself because he forgot what he said. 
We repeat ourselves because we forgot what we said. Have you noticed when you get older, you repeat yourself more? Have you noticed when you get older, you tell the same stories over and over? And your grandkids said, Grandma, you've already told me that story 50 times. Y'all are so holy. I repeat myself because I forgot what I said. But God doesn't, doesn't forget what he says. Let me tell you why he repeats himself. He repeats himself so we'll get it. That's why he says it. Chapter 2 of Exodus. We've already read chapter 3. Chapter 2, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Verse 25. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God knew. Look at verse 23. This is the response of the people. The Bible says they groaned and they cried. Say that with me. They groaned and they cried. Someone came up to me after the first service and said, Pastor, did you notice it didn't say they complained? They groaned and they cried. They'll complain later, but today they're groaning and they're crying. Do you know God hears you when you cry? And God hears you when you groan. Can I tell you, he knows what you're saying when you groan and there's no words. Let me give you an illustration. It's in the Gospel of John. Lazarus is dead and Jesus comes to the tomb. Go back and read it. The Bible says Jesus groaned in the spirit. Jesus groaned in the spirit. Do you realize that when any tear runs down your cheek, the Bible says the Lord can read your tears? Is that not amazing? When you groan to God without words, God knows what you're saying. When tears run down your face, God knows what you're crying about. The Bible says here in this passage that as the people cried and they groaned, look at verse 24, God heard. Say that with me. God heard. God hears you when you cry. God hears you when you pray. Have you ever felt like you prayed and it ricocheted off the ceiling and bounced back? You felt like you prayed and it didn't get much further than over your head. And all of a sudden you think, God, are you hearing me? Let me tell you something. According to the Word of God, God hears you. Not my opinion, not your opinion, not my feeling, not your feeling. The Bible says God hears you. The Bible says God heard. And then, I love this, and God remembered his covenant. He remembered his covenant. What does that mean, Pastor? He remembers that you and he have a deal. We have a deal. What's the deal? He says, okay, I made a covenant with my friend Abraham. Abraham, your seed is going to be my people. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of the covenant that I have with you, Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. And these people who are in bondage are the people of God. Let me tell you, across your forehead, the name of Jesus is written. According to Scripture, if you're a believer, the name of Jesus is written in your life. I may not see it. Other people may not see it. But I'll guarantee you, the Lord knows those who are His. He 
knows who you are. The angels know who you are. The enemy knows who you are. He says, I remembered my covenant. You know what he's saying? These are my kids right here. I hear them. I have a covenant with them. Go on down with me. He says, not only do I remember my covenant with them, God saw. Say that with me. God saw. Then I love this. This is a great part. And God knew. God knew. God knew. Let me tell you what that does for me. No one else may know, know what I'm going through. God knows what I'm going through. You're sitting here today and no one may know what you're going through. But God knows. This is what he said. I hear you. I see you. I have a covenant with you. And I know. I know. In the dark hours of the night, when no one's around and you're crying, God sees it and he knows. When your heart is broken, someone has offended you. Someone has lied about you, cheated on you. You're facing that challenge. You're in a bad place. God is saying, listen, I see you. I hear you. I know where you're at. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move you to a new place. Is there anybody here this morning that can stand to be moved to a new place? You say, well, Pastor, I'm really not in a bad place. Well, let me tell you, God has a better place for you. And if you're in a bad place, let me tell you, you need to be in a better place. God wants to move you to a new place. Just as he did a whole nation. My friends, if he can move a whole nation to a new place, he can move one individual to a new place. He is not, he is not limited in taking you to where, where you need to be. Don't get too comfortable where you're at, the familiar. Don't, don't think you have to stay in the same place and not move forward. Don't think that it's always going to be the way it's always been. The good old days. Man, I remember the good old days, don't you? Mom and Dad had an old Dodge Dart. Has anybody ever heard of a Dodge Dart? Had push-button transmission. Didn't have a stick. Nothing in the floorboard. Push buttons. Horrible design. Pitiful. Pitiful. Mom drove that old Dodge Dart. Then reverse went out of it. So wherever she parked, she had to go forward. Or her two sons had to push her back out in the street to go forward. You know what? That can warp your psyche. When you're around all your friends, you're at the school, you're downtown shopping, and your mom says, okay, boys, push me back out in the street. We have no reverse. <laughs> the good old days weren't as good as what we think. Why? God is saying, I got better days for you. I'm going to take you from this place to that place. I know it's unknown to you, but it's not unknown to me. Let me finish with this. When you get there, God's already there. Amen. When you get there, God's already there. That's why Moses said in this transition, going and navigating from the known to the unknown, he said, God, if you don't go with us, we do not want to go. But this is what he said. Surely I'll send my presence with you.
He says, when you arrive, I'll already be there. How many of you can believe with me right now where you're headed? God's already arrived where you're going. He's already there. Would you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.